This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson here in Studio B as we are getting ready for the Pelicans home finale tonight as they welcome in the Denver Nuggets, kind of a hockey home-and-home home for these two teams as they'll take on the Nuggets in Denver on Friday night, last home game of the season, as I mentioned, and then the Pelicans will be on the road for the last four, two sets of back-to-back starting on Friday and Saturday and then ending next Tuesday and Wednesday in L.A. and Portland. Uh, Pelicans uh, still mathematically alive, so you're saying there's a chance. Well, it's a very small one. But there is one as the Blazers in a makeup game with the Timberwolves last night. They fell to Minnesota in Minnesota. And now the Blazers are on a back-to-back in Utah tonight. A Blazers win or a Pelicans loss would eliminate the Pelicans from playoff contention. So we'll see how that plays out. The Nuggets still also remain in the hunt with that loss. I think they're a game and a half back of the Blazers for that final playoff spot. So this one is uh, pretty big for Denver tonight as they try to make that last playoff push of course we'll have Jim Eikenhofer on from pelicans.com to more talk about these last five games and what he wants to see from this team we'll also get his thoughts on the Pelicans getting a D-League team in the near future and then we'll also talk football here on this Tuesday morning as the uh, Saints announced that they will sign Chase Daniel to a contract obviously Chase backed up Drew Brees four years ago then he spent some time with the Chiefs and the Eagles and now Chase Daniel is back and you'll talk to Sean Kelly about his return to the Big Easy. A big congrats to the UNC Tar Heels last night, beating the Gonzaga Bulldogs in Phoenix, Arizona. And I don't want to sit here and criticize the game, but uh, that second half was a little tough to watch, especially with the officiating there. Very choppy, no rhythm to it. And uh, we saw a lot of free throws, a lot of missed free throws by North Carolina. But congrats to them after how things ended last season with them losing on a buzzer beater to Villanova. They were able to capture their third title under Roy Williams. So congrats to the UNC Tar Heels as they are your national champion. So we have a great show for you. I don't want to keep you. Coming up next, we'll hear from Chase Daniel as he rejoins the New Orleans Saints. And then we'll hear from Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com talking about these final five games of the Pelican season. Stay with us. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Are you ready for a new challenge? Set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with over 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce cup, and sip your way to your goal weight. With flavors like pineapple mango, strawberry blueberry, dark chocolate banana, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goal. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Take the challenge as part of the low-calorie diet and daily exercise program. Weight loss depends on individual needs. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. 
Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Chase Daniels back with the black and gold. That's a big headline for the end of last week, and he's kind enough to join us here on the Black and Blue Report as we get set for, I guess, uh, the draft coming up, but the offseason rolls on, and and of all the names that we've talked to and, and newest to the black and gold, it's sure nice to get a great face and friend back in Chase Daniel. Congratulations, Chase. Welcome back. We've missed you. Thank you very much. Yes, I'm excited to be, be back home in, in good old New Orleans. So it's uh, it's an exciting time for, for me and my family. So four seasons with the Saints, and then you kind of left us for a little bit there. Chase, what went into the decision to re-sign with New Orleans here as a free agent? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think the fact that uh, pretty much the entire offensive coaching staff was there uh, still. Uh, Joe Lombardi obviously came back last year. Uh, my relationship with him and Pete Carmichael Obviously, Sean Payton played a big role into it. And then again, you know, Drew Brees. Uh, Drew's uh, one of my better friends. He's like a big brother to me. So the chance to come back and, and play for uh, play for Sean and play with Drew and, and the entire team, I mean, that offense, as you know, is is, uh, is pretty legit. So it's, it's an exciting time to be back. I'm sure there's a newness, Chase, to any team that you've gone to before. Uh, and, and I wouldn't say a nervousness about it. But look, hey, anytime anybody changes their situation – it can be a little nerve-wracking. Is it different because you were here for four seasons? Is there a comfort the moment you walk back in the door? There really is. You know, I walked back in the door when I came to visit uh, probably two or three weeks ago on, on a you know, free agent visit. And, you know, not much has changed. Obviously, things have gotten nicer. The Pelicans are in the building now. Uh, but it was, it was good to see familiar faces. And, and I think the, the nervousness was non-existent. I think walking back into the doors and, and talking to uh, – to Mickey and Sean and to everyone aboard, uh, you know, Dan Dalrymple, the strength coach. It's just, it's like I never left, really. They, they, they uh, you know, came back with open arms, and, and we were excited to get back to work. As far as your role and what it might be now, this second go-round, what, what kind of conversation was that like when you visited? Uh, yeah, you know, it was good. It was good. It was, it was obviously one of the main reasons I wanted to come back is is to, to, to get a chance to play for uh, a contender to get a chance to play behind Drew and, and to continue to learn more. Obviously, being gone for four years, I, I've got a, a lot more knowledge than I had when I was a young pup in my second, third year in the league. So uh, I feel like what I can bring to the table in the quarterback room with Joe and Pete and Sean and Drew is, is going to be pretty uh, pretty amazing. So uh, I'm excited to get to work. Obviously, we don't start until the 18th of April. So i got a little bit of time to just rest and relax, uh, uh, but it's going to be a pretty busy time for us. Yeah, Chase Daniel joining us here from Hawaii as he gets a little rest before it all starts up later <laughs> this month. Chase, let's talk about the elephant in the quarterback room, and that is this. There's going to be competition, obviously, to be the backup for number nine. 
what is that process like and 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 how do you kind of view it as you step back into this into this quarterback room for me getting back in the quarterback room it's just uh it's just all about competing right competing with drew and, and, and competing with everyone that's in the room but for, for me I, i'm at a point in my career where i feel very confident about my abilities and, and what i can bring to the quarterback room and uh you know just jumping in getting back into the offense obviously is, is going to be a, a fun part for me because i just i loved being in that offense for so long so i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to uh competing tell me how you've evolved let's just say how you might be different uh, after being away for a, a time with a couple of different teams as to what you were like when you left us? Well, listen, I think you take the time that you were in New Orleans, which for me was four years, and then the time I was away, which was also four years, and you pull from those experiences. Obviously, mentally, I'm a lot better than I was my first four years just because I've been around different offenses. I've been around different coaches on how they do things. I've been around different franchises. So, uh, I just feel like I have a, a lot better feel and a lay of the land for what's going on within the NFL and, and are able to bring some stuff to the Saints that maybe they haven't thought of, whether it be scheduling or different plays. I've already been on the phone uh, with with multiple people, especially Drew. Drew and I have stayed close throughout this entire uh, you know thing that's been going on. So uh, we've already talked ball, and obviously I, I go out, even since I've left New Orleans, I've been out in San Diego in June and July with Drew for you know going on eight years now, so we've stayed close throughout this whole process. How's the game changed, Chase? Well, I, well, you know, you talked about kind of the evolution of the NFL. How's it changed for quarterback here in the last couple of years? I just think there's so much pressure on a quarterback. Not that there wasn't, you know, in the past few years, but now especially, especially within this offense, to get get yourself in the correct play and the right play at the right time. There's so much put on a quarterback's plate that. Not only do you have to know what's going on in your mind with your reads, but also the other 10 guys on the offensive side of the football and also what the defense is doing as well. So every single snap, and that's what I enjoy about playing quarterback, every single snap, uh, you know, everyone's sort of looking to you on what you're doing, especially in this offense. You, you control literally everything there is, which I like that. That was one of the things that was exciting for me to come back to New Orleans is that you do have control of, of the offense and that you do – uh, you know, have a part in every single play. Jay, Saints fans are going to start to wonder if, if quarterbacks come from any other state other than Texas. Uh, between yourself and Drew, and of course we've had Luke McCown around here for a while, it seems like the only people that ever get on your center for the New Orleans Saints are from Texas these days. Why is that? I don't know. I just think that they, uh, they breed them a little bit different there in Texas, and that's completely fine with me if, if that wants to be the case because uh, I look forward to many more years in, in New Orleans, that's for sure. Jason, when you think about your career, and I, I think, and I'm just, I'm assuming here, you tell me if I'm wrong, I think that anybody in the league wants to be uh, an every week starter at some point, and, and some are blessed to be able to do that, and others have a different role, and, and that's the way their career runs. So with that, you know, with that in mind, Chase, what does this do for you in, in your progression towards whatever goals you still may have as an NFL football quarterback? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that first and foremost, for me personally, the goal is to be a starter in this league and not only be a starter, but be a, a Pro Bowl starter and to be able to lead my team to a Super Bowl. Obviously, I've taken steps uh, in, in the right direction. I feel like I've played very well in preseason games and then the two starts I've gotten in Kansas City. Really, every chance I've gotten a chance to, to step out on the field and, and play well. So for me, it's no different, right? I'm, I'm going to continue to compete my butt off with, with Drew every single day. 
and to go out there and put my best foot forward and to, to become a starter one day. Chase, are you able to give me kind of an objective or unbiased look at where the Saints may be heading in 2017 since you're kind of coming – I mean, you, you've you always been a member of the family, but now you're coming back from a different area or a different place in the country. So how would you view where this franchise is heading into this this next step of the offseason? Yeah, I think, I, you know, that was – like I said, I believe that was one of the main reasons I wanted to come back because I really do feel like – you know, we're just a couple pieces away from mm. from competing. Obviously, we're in a very tough division with Tampa and and Atlanta and Carolina, but also the way we're moving, uh, just a couple pieces away on, on defense or special teams or on offense, I think you're just continually looking to get better as a franchise. And I think that, you know, with this upcoming draft, I really feel like we are going to get those pieces to really make the, the next step. You know, now that you're here back in New Orleans, you realize that your alma mater is a member of the same conference as those who root for LSU down here. You're returning as an SEC quarterback as opposed to when you were at Mizzou, right? Yes, absolutely. It's a Big 12 now now coming to the SEC country, so it'll be good to be back there and hopefully make some more Mizzou games. Yeah, well, possibly so. We can't wait to have you back, Chase. Enjoy the rest of uh, what little is left of your, I guess, the, the ever-shrinking offseason, because I know we'll see you here in, in, what, two, three weeks? Yeah, yeah, it's right around the corner. Listen, it's it's been a it's been a great off season. It's gone a little too fast, but but we're chomping at the bit to get back to work. Any update on your family? Everybody well? Everything's great. Everything's great. Yes, yes, we are just rolling along. All right, very good. Chase Daniel back with the black and gold, signing a one year free agent deal with the New Orleans Saints. Chase, we'll look forward to seeing you as always. We thank you for the visit. All right, thanks for having me on. Kids on the Block are back with Paul Abdul and Boys to Men. The Total Package Tour. Three of the hottest bands in pop music history. New Kids on the Block with Paul Abdul on her first tour in 25 years. R&B Royalty Boys to Men. Friday, May 19th, 7.30 p.m. Smoothie King Center. Reserve seat tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com. Hit after hit with New Kids on the Block, Paul Abdul, and Boys to Men. The biggest party ever. Come on down to the Silver Slipper. Hi, this is John from the Silver Slipper, and I'm here to tell you that Yahoo Travel has selected our award-winning Jubilee Buffet as the best buffet in the state of Mississippi. Now, I'm sure that's because we have awesome boiled crab and fresh fish every night, plus tons of boiled shrimp, fresh grilled steaks, perfectly cooked prime rib, amazing desserts, and the list just goes on and on. We're on the beach here in Hancock County. Silver Slipper Hotel and Casino, now more than ever, we are proud to be your host on the coast. Pass a good time at the Silver Slipper. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Well, it's sad to say that this is our last visit with Jim Eikenhofer on a home game day as the Pelicans home finale is tonight against the Denver Nuggets. But Jim, without a shooter, is gracious enough to join me here in Studio B. Jim, uh, man, can you believe that this is the last home game of the season today? It, it does go by fast. I mean, you start the season in October, and sometimes it, some seasons take longer than others, it seems like, to go by. But I feel like from about February until today was over in a blink. It went by so fast. But, yeah, it is hard to believe that there's only five games left total in the season and that this is the last one tonight in Smoothie King Center. Yeah, and it's uh, two teams that the Nuggets are still alive in the playoffs. And I will say that Pelicans are technically alive, even though, again, I'm not going to pretend like this is something that is going to happen just in my eyes. Five games back with five to go. The Blazers lose tonight, which keeps the Pelicans mathematically alive. But 
I always like to say, whenever you have to say, well, we're mathematically alive, that means things are not going well. But Jim, let's talk about uh, the season so far, kind of how this team's playing. Unfortunately, a loss to the Bulls on Sunday afternoon. But before that, um, they're 8-4 and four in their last 12. They won 3-4 of four before the All-Star break. And it seems like they were peaking at a good time. It was just kind of a little late based on how they started the season. Yeah, and that, that loss ended a six-game home streak, winning streak. Um, right after the trade and right after the All-Star break and the trade deadline, they were 1-3 in the first four games at home. And then since then, they've gone 6-1. and one. So I think there's a lot of different numbers that you could point to that show that there's been a big change in their play and a big improvement lately. Um, with the most important one obviously being wins and losses. So um, even in this recent stretch, um, I know Chicago is a little bit below 500, but they're in the playoff race. Um, besides them, all of the recent losses have been against teams that either have really good records or have been really playing well in the second half of the season, such as Miami. So um, that's one of the biggest takeaways for me from late the recent last couple of weeks is just that they – there's been a lot better play, and the results kind of speak for themselves. But the Pelicans still do have five games to play. Um, they will head on the road for four after tonight. So I know Gentry talked about what he wants to see in these last five games. What about you? What are some of the things that you're looking out for um, with five to go? I think one of the things that I'm curious to see, and this is something that Elvin Gentry touched on a little bit yesterday in Monday's practice, was that uh, it, it might be an opportunity to get Sheck Diallo some minutes um, he's only had some a few cameos sporadically throughout the season. Other than that, he's been playing in the D-League and actually has done a really good job in, in the stints that he's had in the D-League. Um, Quinn Cook played a little bit in the last game, so you might maybe you'll see a little bit more of him as well. Um, so that that's one of the things I'm on my list. But in, in general, just trying to – just hoping that they can continue to, to carry over some of the play that they've had lately. Um, the road trip is it's really – Besides the Lakers, everyone knows how much the Lakers have struggled this year. Those other three games are all tough, so I think it'll be a good test as far as you know measuring the way that where you are as a team right now and looking at how you can close the regular season and you want to do it in in good fashion against teams like Denver, Golden State, obviously. With maybe we'll see Durant back that game, and then Portland, the last game of the season, that might be um, a, a make or break game for them. We don't know, but. Um, those are all really challenging games that they have left on the schedule. When I saw that Kevin Durant was probably going to come back against us, the first thing I said was, of course he is, <laughs> because it seems like whether it's here at the Smoothie King Center or somewhere on the road, a guy that's been hurt for a long time or out a mm -hmm. couple weeks always seems to come back against New Orleans. So we knew when we saw the timetable, I think we've discussed this before, whenever we saw the timetable for Durant's injury, we circle to go, you know what? He's probably going to come back against the Pelicans, and sure enough, right? unbelievable. Yeah, you know, it, I, I don't remember the details a ton right now because this was going back a couple of years, but I want to say when he missed the beginning of, of, a, of a season, the first game or one of the first games he played when he came back from that was, against, was here against New Orleans, mm -hmm. and the Pelicans actually won that game pretty handily, which was – you know, so a little bit surprising at that time because everyone was like, Durant's back, OKC's going to, you know, kick it into gear and they're going to be yeah. formidable. So, yeah, it is funny, but at the same time, like, it does seem like that's this team's luck that he comes back at that time. That the same, at the same time, uh, Golden State is so good that they could have announced that, like, Chris Mullen and Tim Hardaway were going to play in that game yeah. and you'd still be worried because they just have, you know, 
So, and I, I mean the whatever version of they are today. I don't mean the '90s version of Chris Mullen. <laughs> okay. I mean like the 50 year old Chris Mullen, the head coach you'd, of St. John's. Chris <laughs> Mullen. You'd still, you'd still be concerned because they, they have Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Greens, so on and so forth. So Durant just kind of adds to that, that uh, formidable mix of guys that they have. Then didn't think Chris Mullen or Tim Hardaway would make it on today's Black and Blue Report. <laughs> Neither did I. That who, just popped into my head just now. Who knows? Who knows? But I want to go back to what you're looking to see here in the last five games and. Uh, we've seen uh, a good sample size, I think, of Cousins and Davis. Are you satisfied with the sample size just because you've seen how good they can play together? You've seen some bad, but we knew there was going to be some growing pain. Mm-hmm. Is there still something in this dynamic that you're still trying to figure out and see? Or is that kind of, not that ship has sailed, but are you kind of already made up your mind about how this is going to look in the future? Just To some extent, I think that it's been enough games that you can you've seen a lot. I don't know how much more minds are going to change in the last 5 games just because it's not a ton more of of opportunities to see these guys. If there was 15 or 20 games left in the season at this point, I would say yeah, you there's a lot more ground that you can possibly cover as far as com- combining them together, playing them separately, so on and so forth, but I don't know necessarily that we're going to see a ton more of of what of learning what they can do together or, or what the combination is like. Um, one thing, one thing I do know, and I, this may be irrelevant. It depends on your perspective, but to me, I think it's interesting that in the last five games of the season, from like a national media perspective, people that don't watch the team day in day out, what happens in these last five games is going to affect the numbers as far as like the Pelicans have this record, had this record after the trade. Mm-hmm. You'll see like if they go five and zero in these last five games, hypothetically. You'll see a different, um, you'll you'll see a different opinion than if they go like say one and four or two and three, just because that's going to change the record. Right, right now they're ten and ten since the trade. So I mean, like I said, whether that matters or not is it depends on whether you care if what what people nationally say. But I do think that that will factor into the conversation about the pairing during the off season. Whether that means anything or not, I don't know. I but mean, that's pe- something that something that that I've I just looked at. People should only pay attention to what we say on this show. Exactly, that's true. Anywhere else in national media, forget Good point. about all that. <laughs> so just Good care point. about what we say, and if you don't like what we say, then then don't listen. <laughs> I'm just um, I do want to talk about actually while we have uh, you on here is the NBA D League situation with the Pelicans that in a couple of years they'll have their own, and I feel like. Now we're seeing the direction of where the D-League is heading and that every team will eventually have their own D-League mm-hmm. team, which I love. I, I'm all about, as a big baseball fan growing up, and you the same way, the minor league system, seeing guys go through the minor league ropes and then get called up. And we've seen it with Czech Diallo going to, I think, three different teams this year. And he even said that, you know, it was three different systems. It was just sometimes it was a little different, you mm-hmm. know, compared to the system that Alvin Gentry wants to run. So... How excited are you that the Pelicans will finally have a D League team of their own? I think it's great, and I and I think, like you said, that it, overall, I think a lot of the decisions that have been made and a lot of the changes that are upcoming as far as the D League goes are all positive. I mean, I think having more D League franchises is, is going to make the league more popular. I know that that's not necessarily the aim. It's not like the D League isn't in place to make a lot of money and be become super popular, but. I do think that a lot of this stuff is going to add to it. And I think some of the the changes that are coming in the CBA where you can have like two 
you have two-way guys that can go back and forth between the D-League and the NBA. I think you're going to have more – this is my theory, at least here sitting here in April of 2017. You're going to have more well-known guys in the D-League, I think, based on the way that things are going, where there's going to be more D-League franchises. Obviously, that's going to make mean that there's going to be more players down there. But also, just based on the way teams draft, I think you're going to see – there's just going to be more guys to follow in the D league than there are now that are guys that had good college careers or prominent players than, than there are right now. And so I think all of that is going to make people pay more attention to the, to the D league or G league, I guess it's going to yeah. be. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I think, I think all of it makes sense to, to have it to the point where every team in the NBA has its own D league franchise. I mean, all of this is, you can kind of see where it's headed. It seems like it's, it's, a lot more of an organized and you know logical plan than than maybe when it first started where it seemed like it's been for a while it was kind of year to year people didn't really know exactly where it was going but mm-hmm. you can clearly see the direction of where it's going to be now two part question following up on that one does this change how many rounds we might have in the draft in the future with more with every team having a D league team you're going to need to fill those rosters with how many amount mm-hmm. of guys that you have and two, will this change how teams draft? Like you mentioned, some teams will draft players just so they can have them, not control them, but control their contract-wise and stash them to D-League to see, let's see what this guy has. Let's take a chance, mm-hmm. and that will make maybe these second-round picks a little more valuable, and maybe if they add a third-round or something, how much does this train change the NBA draft for the future? I mean, I think I think it sh- they should add rounds to the draft. Whether it actually happens or not, I believe is has to be negotiated because mm-hmm. they back in the day they had six or seven rounds in the NBA draft and they negotiated it down to two rounds partly because the players and the players association wanted it wanted there to be fewer rounds there's less competition for right. a, among new for for jobs among new players so um I'm not sure exactly what the process would be for that but I I do think that they should if if you're going to have um two guys at least on your roster every year that are going back and forth between the D league or guys that are basically designated for the D league. Um, it does seem like it would make sense to have more rounds of the draft. There's so many trades in in the draft now that there's teams that only have one or no picks a lot of years. So um, I mean, there's other ways, there's other ways obviously to get guys that you can, you can put in the D league, but it, it does seem like it, maybe it would make sense to add rounds. I, I guess the counterpoint to that would be that teams, um, the way the process is now where there's only two rounds, um, you can kind of pick and choose a little bit more among, instead of having to draft a certain guy, yeah. you can look at the pool of players, see who fits best for you among the free agents, the guys that were undrafted, and right. then go from there. So Yeah, and, and it might happen where it's kind of like the NFL draft where right after the draft you people get signed to. Sure, uh, which is what happens now in the NBA, but yeah. just to a lesser extent. Right. Yeah. But also what if this affects as far as, you know, in the minor leagues where if you're uh, rehabbing from injury – you can be sent down for a minor league start in baseball. Mm-hmm. If maybe they add something where you don't go on a DL, but you can send someone down. Let's say a Czech Diallo gets injured or whatever mm-hmm. and has to be sent down and wants to play in a game before he plays an NBA game, send them down, call someone up for a game or whatever. I mean, could we get to the point? I mean, the D league could be more than just trying to find young talent. It could be another place to get, an injured player some sure. some time without playing an NBA game. Yeah, it could. I mean, I think one thing that's interesting to, to watch has been, and I don't know exactly the details of how this was worked out, but I know when 
when the D League was introduced, one of the things that the players and the players association wanted to avoid was having it be like a way that teams could punish guys that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking veteran guys, not first, second year players. So, I mean, that might, that's going to have to be something that they hash out as well as like, they, they don't want it to get to the point where you have a guy on like, say he's on a four year guaranteed contract and it's year one and he's playing bad and a team uses it as a way to say like, okay, we're sending you down. Even right. though you've been in the NBA for eight years, mm-hmm. even though a lot of fans would say like they should be able to do that yeah. the way, it, the way it is in baseball. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different factors, but I do like the idea, like you just said, about how you know you can use it in a lot of productive and helpful ways instead of before, where you really didn't have the option of any of those options. Yeah, it gives a chance also for a city that doesn't have an NBA team that has a D League team. If one of those guys goes down, you can see one of your favorite players yeah, potentially you, playing a game. And you know, that's another factor too that I think um, is interesting is. I know that they mentioned that there's a bunch of different city options mm-hmm. as far as in the Gulf South of where a D-League team could be located. Who knows? I mean, we don't know where the, where the team's going to be. Right. And no one does at this point, but you could it would it would be good. It would be great to have a city in the Gulf South somewhere that is now known as the Pelicans affiliate mm-hmm. and you'll have more of a fan base there. You yep. see that in baseball a lot right. with with different um AAA cities yep. where um like I'm from Rochester, New York area. There's a there's a they have the twins i believe it is you yeah. start to see people that follow the twins more because even though you would say like why in western new york are there twins fans so you might see in in this instance it's even more localized so it's, right. it makes even more sense that maybe you you have you know more people in a certain fans in a certain state yeah. that you didn't have before so it's all positive to me yeah i'm sure we'll talk about this uh down the road as it gets farther and farther along but uh before i let you go here we're running out of time uh, these playoff races with five games to go um, a lot of teams have locked up at least a spot. I know seedings are what people are fighting for right now. The eighth seed in both leagues are still up for grabs. The Eastern Conference is a little more interesting than the West, but also in the in the East, the one seed still up for grabs is the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers are fighting for the top spot. Which NBA race intrigues you in the last five games? Here? I think that one is the one that I'm the most interested in as far as the significance to the league overall. And I think a lot of people would probably be in the same boat that even though the, the the race for you know 6 7 8 in the east is really bunched up and really there's a lot of teams involved um it doesn't have a ton of long-term significance probably on the league but like whoever whether Boston or Cleveland is the one seed I think is really interesting to a lot of people even though there's also a lot of people that say that Cleveland could be the 6th seed in the east and still win it right but I think the number of people that are saying that is decreasing a little bit just based on the fact that They've been so bad lately, especially defensively. So um, that's definitely one thing I'm watching. They actually play each other tomorrow night um, on ESPN. Not trying to plug ESPN, but nonetheless. Nice um, shout out for them. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's really interesting to me. I think there's a lot of people, whether you – I mean, mo- most people either root for the Cavs or root against, root against them. Yeah. They're very pretty divisive teams, so – I think a lot of people would be interested to see them not get the one seed just to see if it would make it a little bit more interesting. Obviously, LeBron James's teams have won the East six years in a row, so um, it, it it would be it would be more interesting. I think, you know, I'm not a Cavs fan, and mm-hmm. you know, if you are, you would disagree with this, but like it it would be more interesting to see there be more competition in the East. And yeah. Step one to that might be for someone else to have the one seed, even though yeah. there's been times the Cavs have. The Cavs won a couple years ago when the Hawks were the one seed. So, and they oh. also beat Golden State in Game Seven on the road. Right, 
in the right. NBA Finals. The biggest game of them all. So sure. I'm not sure how much that really scares them, but I think they also want to be playing well heading into the playoffs, and that's something they're not doing right now. Right, so. exactly. We'll see how it goes. Should be an interesting uh, last week and a half, that's for sure. And we'll see how uh, tonight plays out at the Smoothie King Center between the Nuggets and the Pelicans. Kind of, a, as Sean mentioned yesterday, a, a hockey back-to-back, -back, a home-and-home, -home, mm -hmm. as you should say, as the Pelicans will take on the Nuggets tonight. And then we'll also take them on on Friday in Denver. Jim, I appreciate the time as always, my friend. I'll see you tonight at the arena. Sounds good. I'll talk to you guys. All right. When we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue. The future is bright for our New Orleans Pelicans with the addition of all-star DeMarcus Cousins, along with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. The time is now to become a Pelican season ticket holder. For a limited time, receive a food and beverage gift card worth up to $600. So don't miss out on any of the action. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today and win the night. A new concert from Pink Floyd's Visionary. Roger Waters, Us and Them. Saturday, July 8th, Smoothie King Center. Featuring songs from Pink Floyd's greatest albums, live in extraordinary quad sound. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Okay, time to get out of here and get ready for tonight's fantastic finale at the Smoothie King Center between the Pelicans and the Nuggets. First 10,000 fans in attendance will receive a Pelicans team poster courtesy of Smoothie King. 6.30 is when I'll have Pelicans warm up for you on the Pelicans radio network and 99.5 WRNO. Check me out come say hi uh outside the pelicans team shop from 6 30 to 7 as i'll be there as i normally am on a home game day and then sean kelly and john the shades will have the call at seven o'clock and then on the television side of course joel myers david wesley and jan hale will have you covered starting at 6 30 on tomorrow's show we'll have david wesley from fox sports new orleans of course he'll recap hopefully a pelicans win and we'll kind of set the scene for the last four games, what he wants to see from this Pelicans team as they hit the road for the final four. And then we'll have a special guest, Joe Gibbs, former Super Bowl winning coach. He'll be here in studio and we'll chat with Sean Kelly. All right, that'll do it for tonight's show. Big thanks to Chase Daniel, Jim Iconoffer, and Sean Kelly. And until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.